Tonight we want to look at, for a few minutes, I just want, I don't want to be rushed. I don't think it's going to take that long. In fact, I've not got, I've only got, uh, I've only got scripture in about eight or nine words on this paper. So we'll see how that goes, okay? But we want to look at tonight the title of Intercession Roadblocks. There is, we, we're calling out on God for our families, and we're calling out to God for our nation. And the enemy will do everything he can to stop that. He don't want that. The devil's fine with you coming and showing up to church. He's fine with you being busy with your cell phone or looking at something else while the preaching's going on or anything else and, and sing a few songs, go out back to the house, and nothing changed. That's, he's good with that. Hey, come anytime you want. But God, the, the, the Lord, wants us to pray, and the enemy wants to stop us intervening for the people's souls that he's got. He's got like this. He's got them. He's got our nation. And he don't want you to pray for him. Let it go. Don't worry about it. Worry about yourself. We're going to look at tonight the, some intercession roadblocks and what powerful things can happen when we learn to intercede and go past those and don't let them stop us. And this, this story, honestly, I don't know why. I've read this and I almost looked, I've looked at this 10 times and I just, for some reason, keep going by it. But I, I said, we're preaching this one tonight. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 2. Because it's, 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 man, it's got some amazing individuals here. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you've got your Bible there, we're going to read that. And verse 1 says, And again he entered, talking about Jesus, into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there was certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Why? Who can forgive sins but God only? Yeah. And immediately Jesus, who's God, and, and yeah. is the Son, uh, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way, and into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never saw it on this fashion. Amen. We're going to look at intercession Roadblocks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you allow us to participate in your great and mighty, powerful works. And God, you want to use us, God, even though, Lord, in ourselves we're nothing. But God, through your spirit and through your power, you can use us, Lord, to help, Lord, to be an instrument. You can use, Lord, that brings down the enemy's strongholds, that God, that will break down things that's, Lord, blocking, and Lord, people that are bound, and God can get to help and can get 
to deliverance. And God, you can do it. You can turn back a nation if your people will learn to pray and intercede for our nation. And God, I pray that God, that you would strengthen us, encourage us, and show us what you want to do tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Intercession Roblox. This, this story, Jesus, as you see in the first verse, Jesus says that after a couple of days, Jesus comes back. He, he, he had left. And in fact, Jesus had been handicapped a little bit because of a miracle he had done. He, and sometimes you've seen Jesus, especially early in his ministry like this, he, he did miracles and he would say, now don't say anything. Don't say. Now sometimes it wasn't just, oh, we don't want God to get glory. But he knew what was going to happen. So he's, he's try, he wants to go into the cities and preach to these people. But he went in and this, this and by the way, uh, he had just, for one thing, he had just, when he was here a few days before, he had just healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then he comes upon this man that is a leper. Well, when you're a leper... When you're a leper, you're an outcast. You can't be around anybody. And Jesus did the unheard of. He touched him and healed him. And when he did, he told him, Now, you go back and you give the offering that's required and show yourself to the priest so you can go back home. But do not tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what I've done for you. But, you know, just like you and me, if you had been an outcast and you couldn't even see your wife or your kids and you were doomed to die and you, nobody even wanted to get around you and all of a sudden somebody healed you and you are now completely whole. If you had cancer and you were just about gone and the Lord healed you, you wouldn't be able to contain it. You would just say, I, I got to tell somebody. I mean, people's going to see you and going to say, what happened to you? And they're, wasn't you a leper? Oh yeah, but let me tell you. He told people what happened after that. Jesus said, couldn't even come to the city anymore because every time he got into the city, they thronged him so much he couldn't do his, he couldn't preach. He couldn't do anything. So it says that he had to go out into the wilderness. He had to come out of town where he could do ministry because there wasn't enough room if he got in the city. So he was handicapped a little bit. So he had left after this and then he's come back. And it says there, when it says in that first verse that talking about he was in the house. In the Greek, that is a definitive house. He's in a particular house. And we're going to look at whose house we think that is here in just a few minutes. There's some good support. We're going to look at five things. I, I don't know. I, I, I try to get three or five or something like that. But there is five good ones, I think, here. We're going to look at this story. And we're going to look at, first, the bleakness. When we're doing intercession, there, there is some situations that are pretty bleak that we're praying for. Yeah. They're bleak. We're going to look at the bleakness, the burden, the belief, the barriers, and then the blessing. The bleakness. This man was, and when it says that he was, Paul had palsy, that word actually is set, means he's a paralytic. He's a paralytic. He can't move on his own. He, very likely, he could at one time. And in fact, because I think it plays into this, I'll tell you now because I'm afraid I'll tell you later. This is not in Scripture, but there's, there's confusion sometimes. You get to the, when we get to the part where Jesus heals him, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. And we look at that and we're like, well, that's a little bit odd. We do the same thing that some of these scribes did. Except we're not doubting he can forgive sin. But we're saying, why did he say that? Why did he say forgives sin? And I mean, yeah, so he could prove that he could forgive sin. But... The question is, is, is this saying that every time we have a sickness, it's because of sin? The answer is no. That's not the case. 
You can be sick and you didn't do anything. And that's, how, that's what most of it is. But there is times, there is times that your life of sin has cost you everything. You, you know people like this. You know people that have given their life to drugs. And you know that it has shipwrecked their life. And if the Lord doesn't intervene, they're done. I've seen it. I've seen it happen so many times. It's just a matter of time. But this man, church history, by the way, in the early church, in some of the church fathers' writings, they say that this man had used to be able to walk. And the reason he was in this condition is because of sexual sin. He had given himself over to that lifestyle. And, and because of that lifestyle, it took a toll on his body. And the end result was he was a paraplegic. He was a paralytic because of his sinful lifestyle. Now, that's what I'm, I'm not telling you. I'm just saying church history records that. Whether that's the case, I don't know. But it, it could be the case. But this man's life was bleak. This, this man's life was bleak. He had no hope. Listen, that's the first thing. His life was first helpless. He couldn't do anything in his own self. He couldn't move one bit. He had to have somebody come and move him if he was going to move. He couldn't lift himself. And so he wanted help. He needed help. But in himself, he was helpless. You know what else? He was hopeless. Because... Nothing was going to change unless something happened, unless the Lord did something or something in his life. Doctors couldn't help him. None of his friends could help him. Nobody he knew could help him. He was in a hopeless situation. This was the rest of his life. But thank God, that's, that's the bleakness of the situation. And we are in a bleak time right now. There is a nation that is imploding. And it's filled with people who are not looking for what they think what they're looking for is they're looking for a new political system. They're looking for a new check to take care of them. They're looking for somebody to get in the White House that they're going to be able to support. They're looking for something that will never satisfy them. But what they're truly looking for, you and I know, it's the same person we prayed to tonight. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they're truly looking for. That's what they're looking for. But do you know that right now, the way their circumstance is right now, it is hopeless. It is helpless unless something happens. And what it's going to have to happen in the nation that we live in is that God's people has got to go to prayer. There's got to be intercession that's going on. We've got, you look through church history, and the only way God turns nations' hearts back to them is when He has people, His people, start calling on His name and again calling, Lord, heal our nation. God, forgive our land. God, send your spirit. God, turn us around. And God hears that. So if you look at the situation, if you look at it right now, just turn on your news channel. I've got to where I'll go days anymore. I don't even turn it on. Why? Because it's just overwhelming. It's a bleak situation. This land's life was bleak in the situation. Some of the needs that we're praying for, some of those on our prayer list, if we've been praying for them. And you know, if the Lord doesn't intervene, it's, listen, don't ever think it's just, it's just going to fix itself. No, it won't. The enemy that's coming against us, these roadblocks we're going to look at, the enemy is going to make sure it doesn't happen. The only thing that can turn it around is God Himself. That's why we don't try to do it ourselves. That's why we come to prayer. That's why we say, God, we can't do it. They can't do it. You've got to do it. Your spirit's got to do the work. And so we need to, first of all, realize there's bleakness, but it's not over. 
The second thing we see here in verse 1 and 2, we're going to look at the... Thank God some boys had a burden in their heart. Thank God this, this young man in the rest of his life was thankful to God, but for four boys. It could be, by the way, it doesn't say boys, but they're carrying a man. So I'm going to tell you there was probably men here that was carrying this guy. But we see in verse 1, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days. I told you about that, and it was noise that he was in the house. The people started hearing, and they wanted to come because they'd heard what he did the last time. And he got thronged every time now that he got around because they wanted to see what Jesus was going to do. And here they come. People started coming because they knew what he did the last time he was there and they know he's going to do it again. They want to see something. Oh, yeah. They want to see something. Let me tell you something. Uh, uh, the, these four guys could have done the exact same thing, but they didn't. They had something we're going to look at. This, this burden. The, thank God that four people cared about this young man yeah. so much when they heard Jesus was back in the house. By the way, whose house is he probably in? It's most likely Peter's house is where he's at. And, 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 and Peter is the house that he was in when, before he left. And he's talking about being in the house. And then he leaves and he comes back and it says he's back in the house. It's probably be Peter's house himself. And, that, and, and, and Peter was, uh, uh, his mother-in-law it was probably serving because he'd done, he had healed her. And so she loved him and, and Peter loved him. And, and this was, hey, this is your house. Mi casa, your casa. <laughs> or su casa or whatever it is. Uh, so we see there that he entered in Capernaum and it was noised. And verse 2 says, and straightway, which means immediately, many were gathered there insomuch that there was no room. Of course, we heard no room before, haven't we? Luke chapter 2, no room. Uh, but there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word to him. In other words, you couldn't even hardly see the house, much less get to the... That door was so... The people were standing at the door, backing up, backing up, just so they could just see and maybe hear what was coming out that front door. They were surrounded, this little house. And they were listening to the word of God. Oh, can you imagine hearing Jesus preach? My goodness. Can you imagine hearing what he had to say? But these young men had a burden. They had a burden. The house filled up with people that wanted to hear Jesus. But there was four young men that they, instead of being concerned about themselves, instead of saying, if we take off right now, boys, we can get a front row seat. We're going to get in the house. We're going to see it front and center. We're going to tell everybody what we've seen tomorrow. No, when they heard Jesus was in the house, they stopped. And they all, it doesn't tell us who they are. They could have been family or they could have been friends. They could have been acquaintances, whatever it was. But these four men, these four young guys said, Tom, I want to call him Tom. Tom, he's in a desperate situation. They've probably been talking about it for a few days. The last time Jesus, we got to get Tom to Jesus. He ever comes back. we got to get Tom to Jesus. They knew who the answer was. They knew. And that's the answer still today. You've got to get these people to Jesus. That's who we got to get them to. we got to get them to this source that can give them the help. It's nothing you and I can do. we got to get them to the Lord. And so they've been talking about it, and the opportunity came, and they didn't hesitate. They didn't run toward the house. They run toward Tom. And they said, let's go, boys. Now, we don't know how far that this was. It could have been a great distance, but they had a burden, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It doesn't tell how big Tom was. Tom could have been as big as me. He could have been as big as, bigger than me. And these boys were going to have to carry him, and they could have had to carry him all the way across town. So in their minds, they could have said, well, we've got to try to get Jesus to Tom. Yeah. 
That's what we need to do. It's going to be a lot easier if we get Jesus to Tom to Tom to Jesus. But they said, no, this could be our only opportunity. If you realize the time of the clock and the spiritual hands of the spiritual clock, you realize we ain't got time to get Jesus to the to Tom. We got to get Tom to Jesus. We got to get, to, and it's not something we're going to do. How are we going to do that? It's going to be through prayer and intercession. We got to intercede. We got to do what? And so there's a burden that we need. And if we don't have that burden, you won't worry about Tom. You won't worry about the need. You care, but it won't be the most important thing to you. Because let me tell you something, every single one of us has got enough stuff in our own life. It's easy to say, what about Tom? What about Tom? What about me? i got enough of my own pride. No, we can do that. But the enemy wants us to focus on me and you. But he don't want us to see those around us that God wants to do a work. Let me tell you something. The Lord knew everything that was going to happen. He knew right where to be. He was exactly where he needed to be. These men were going to give a, a lesson to the rest of these crowd that they never had seen before. And they're going to leave change. They're going to learn to become intercessors when this meeting's over with. But these four boys get, up, get Tom because they got a burden. We need a burden. We need a burden for our nation. We need a burden that just like Nehemiah that says, Lord, use me. Lord, forgive this nation. Forgive me. Forgive my fathers. Forgive our nation. We've turned our back on you. Lord, do something and use me to do it. That's what he wants to do. So he wants to give us, not only we know there's bleakness, but he wants to give you a burden. You know what else? In verse 3, there's, they had belief. They believed. They had to. They were getting ready to carry this guy. Who knows? It could have been several miles. Now, what they were going to carry him on, let's read verse 3. It says, And they come unto him, these four, bringing this man on a cot, bringing them to Jesus, being one, uh, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. What that's telling me is, if they didn't have belief that Jesus was the answer, then they would have never been able to endure what they're getting ready to endure. They believed before they ever got out of that house, Jesus was going to do something. That's why they came. See, Tom, and I keep using Tom, by the way, again, just let me use that name so you'll know who I'm talking about. This, this man, this, this paralytic. Uh, but Tom is what we're calling him. Tom probably didn't have any faith until they got there. And here they showed up and said, Tom, let me tell you something. We've got to get you to this man, Jesus, because let me tell you what he did. A man was a leper, and he healed him, and he's completely clean. What? A leper? Yes, Tom, a leper. And he touched another woman, and she was sick and so bad in fever that we thought she was going to die, and she was immediately healed. And she rose up, and she started cooking and cleaning and doing all that. I mean, I'm telling you, Tom, he's the answer. Do you want to go see him, Tom? And Tom couldn't do anything but say, yeah, yeah get, me, get me there, you know. And so these boys believed it. Because if they didn't, they would have never endured that trek to get him to them. And so he had this, he, what he was on, it was, it was a thin mattress. And, it, and, and, and some writers say it was like a really thick blanket. A, a really thick blanket that wrapped up around him. And they each got a corner and they took off with Tom. And they're coming. And so this house is filled up and Jesus is preaching. And what do they see from a distance? Who's those boys coming? What are they doing? What are they carrying there? And who's in that? What is that? And someone says, that's Tom in that blanket. That's Tom in that bed. But did anybody get out of the way? Did you read anywhere in here? I kept looking. I looked at all the different stories where it's written in a couple different Gospels. And I looked and did anybody clear a path so that Tom could get to Jesus? There's your barrier. You would think 
that some, if someone come through that back door and you knew that they were dying and they needed to get prayer, we'd get out of our way. You think we would. We'd be out there saying, hey, let me get you out of your car. Help me, let, let me get you in here. We, we'd want to get them in here so they could get prayer. But these people were so self-centered. All they were doing is looking to see what they could get. They had an ache in their left foot. I, I pointed at my right foot, but it's, okay, my right foot. They had an ache in their foot or they, hey, I just want to see what he's going to do so I can tell us. Whatever it is, they were thinking of themselves. I want to hear what he's got to say. I, want to, I got a good seat and I ain't going to give it up. But here they come. But they didn't let this barrier keep them away it says that they came and it says they could not come nine verse four unto him for the press it's talking about the group the people that were so crammed in there there was no opening there was a press and i'm going to stop right there for just a second I, this took me back this is so stupid uh i remember a press like this and i couldn't get access uh several years ago when during the election, you'll remember, uh, I can't remember who he ran against, <laughs> if it was Clinton, Bob Dole was running for president. I think oh, it's, yeah. Okay, so I was, he came to London, and I was part of the ambulance that supported his motorcade. They had to have an ambulance to go to, from London to Somerset. So me and two other people was the EMS crew that went with him over to Somerset. So we're part of his motorcade. We're part of his motorcade. So we get over to Somerset, and so we have to stay in a certain spot. But he got out, and he got, and they had an area. I don't know. It's, it seemed like a lot more secu uh, secure than what they do now. But they had an area for him to speak, and they had chain-link fences down both sides so they could control the crowd. They made sure they controlled who got in that. I guess there must have been controversy. I can't remember. But I decided, hey, I'm part of this entourage. I can... I can get into this deal. So I stepped out of the ambulance. I thought, I'm going to go hear what he has to say. I'm, I'm protecting this guy. I should be able to go in and hear him. So I got up next to the chain link fence. It's some guy that was just a rent-a-cop. <laughs> I won't say his name. He wasn't really Secret Service, but he had been given a Secret Service pen to help them. He was like... He was like a, and I shouldn't say, Steve, I probably didn't mean to say, I shouldn't have said that. But this guy was a normally, he was a food for, uh, he was a store, I shouldn't say that. He was a manager in a store. Or a re so he was most, he was a grocery guy. But he got the pen that said he was helping Secret Service. And when I, he knew me, he knew me. I worked at store. So I got there and I was trying to get, he said, you can't come in. I said, what you, I'm with him. You can't come in. I don't care what I said to this guy, he would not give me access. He knew me. He knew I wasn't a threat. I had my EMS uniform. I was with this group, but I couldn't even get in to hear what he had to say. He blocked my access. Yeah. He blocked my, I had to get off on the side so I could hear through the chain link fence. So I still got to hear, but I had to go a different route. So it was just aggravating to me. I had my access blocked. They had their access blocked. They should have been people that knew. They knew Tom was in a mess. They knew he'd been this way for a long time. But they didn't have a heart of an inner. They didn't have a burden for him. They were more concerned. And it's easy to get that. Well, listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody. I'm telling you it is easy for us because I deal with that. It's easy to see my problems. And someone right next to you, the Lord says, do you see what they're going through? If you were to get your eyes on them, I'm going to take care of what you're going through. Sometimes we just need to get our eyes. And so there's a burden, but there's a belief that these men had, but then they ran into barriers. So we see that they come against the press. And so the enemy would tell you at that moment, well, this is not the best day to come. Maybe tomorrow. 
Let's take Tom back. Or he hasn't got time for you. Look at all the other people that's already ahead of you. Or if he really wanted to take care of him, he, if he would come out to you. But they would not be turned. That's why that burden and that belief was so important. They was like, no matter what, we're getting to him. We are getting to him. I don't care. Tom is not leaving the way he came. Tom is too important. This burden is too great. We believe too much. And we are going to trust the Lord to do the work. And so they didn't let the press keep them away. We see that it says, what did, so what do they do? Different, the other, uh, one of the other translations gives a lot better story. But it says that they climbed on the roof. Now imagine this. It wasn't as bad as it may seem because in that time, in that time, there was um, a, lot of, a lot of those houses in that era, they were flat roofs, and they had outside steps that went out the outside, and they would be narrow. Sometimes they had a ladder, but they had a little access point to get to the roof. And so you, but you can imagine four guys... Even a normal staircase, four people side by side carrying someone on a bed. And you can imagine Tom as they're going up those steps and they're carrying him and he's leaning forward and they're kind of keeping pinned in. And he's thinking, boys, if one of you fall, I'm done. I am going to go tumbling over these steps head first. Lord, don't let me fall. And so, but they're determined. They're saying, I don't, if we can't go in through the middle, we're going to go over the top. What? There was a determination that we've got to see. There is situations that we give up too easily on. God is going to move. God plans on moving. But He wants to know, how much do we really care? How important is these things really to us? Do we really need to get them to Him? Or is it just as soon as we meet opposition, we're ready to go back to the house? But they weren't. It says that they uncovered the roof where He, Jesus, was. He's in there preaching. And, and, I, and you have to know, He knows what's going on. The Lord knows everything. He, knew, he knows exactly where he's supposed to be. He knows he's supposed to talk to, and he gets there at the exact time. He knows what's going on. Yeah. So while he's preaching, these boys have made their way to the roof. Now, you can imagine some of the crowd saying, where are they going? Where, he's in the house. Where are you going on the roof for? You can't hear up there. But they get up there. Now, if you look at this construction of these houses, this was not an easy task. Because with the way they built these houses, they built them, and, and like they, let's say they had a, a, a mud or a, a, a block wall or whatever, and they would lay timbers across, beams across the top, and then they would have uh, like um, limbs that would go the other way, and then they would take mud, and uh, they would take uh, like ashes and soot and different things, and they would mix it together, and they would spread it through all that mixture to where it would be solid. And then as, it heat, as the sun dried it, it would become a roof. It would be, and they can actually, even sometimes they could even plant stuff up there. So it was, a pretty, it was a pretty intense thing. And again, remember this. Whose house is this probably? This is Peter. What's Peter known for? He's got a temper. Temper. Peter is someone who, who this, this is Peter's house. So Peter's in there, and he's thinking, boy, this is going great. Look at the camp meeting we got going in here. And Lord, boy, you're excited about this. This is the right place to be. And boy, I'm telling you what, they're going to talk about me because this is where everybody wants to be right now. And all of a sudden, he sees a dirt clod hit the pulpit, the table. What in the world? 
And he looks up and all of a sudden he sees a little hole starting to get eroded. And all of a sudden he realized someone's digging a hole through his roof. Now it doesn't say this, but I'm telling you, there's a very good chance that Peter is standing there going, another barrier. What are you doing to my house? What are you doing? Stop what you're doing. Don't do it. This is my, you're tearing up my roof. You're tearing up my house. You're making a mess. People's getting stuff hitting them in the head. And the Lord is standing. Listen, the Lord didn't bother him at all. Let me tell you something. He knew what was going on. You know what he was seeing when he looked up? He's seen faith. He's seen faith. You all come in here and you sit down and you've got needs and you still got needs. But I got people that says, I don't care if I interrupt because Tom's getting his need met. And right now, Lord, he's coming front and center. And they open up a big old hole enough to stick his whole bed through. You can imagine the big mess that this has made. And they let him down right in front of Jesus feet and it says let's go on and so we see that it said we're going to look at the blessing we're on five we're on five so you can hang in there we're on five but verse five says and when jesus saw their faith what, what did wait a minute did that say did he, he saw tom's faith he saw their faith. Now, Tom had to have some faith because he told them to bring him and he's letting them carry him and stick him through a hole that he could get killed in. But he's like, he wants them to do it. But when he sees these people that brought him, he sees their faith. That they went out of their way. That nothing could stop them. They were getting to Jesus no matter what the case. And the moment he saw them, it says that when he saw their faith, he said to this sick man, he said to Tom, he said, son... Thy sins be forgiven thee. He has already called him. His dad's picking up here. He's called him into the kingdom. He's already made him a child. He said, let me tell you something. This type of... Jesus loved faith. He loved faith. He was amazed different times about faith. That centurion. That Seraphonician woman. That... Jer well, not Jared, but he had several of them. He was amazed at their faith. He told Jairus to hang in or don't give up. Trust. There were several times that the Lord said, I'm amazed at this faith. I'm amazed at your faith. I've not seen faith in all of Israel like this. And we see that it says, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Here's, here's you another in the midst of the blessing. Do you, here's another barrier. Here's the religious people. These are the people that should have been the ones that got up and run to the door and made a way and said, he can have my seat. He can have my front. Let me bring him in. Tom needs it. We know the gospel. Let me, let's, let's, let's go ahead and let Tom. But no, they didn't. They held their place. And they were sitting there. Instead of saying, praise the Lord. He's, this guy's going to, we're going to see this guy get healed. They're sitting there saying, who do you think you are? Who do you, who do you think you are that first of all, that you've interrupted this service and you all let him down and that you say that you forgive sins and so they're angry the people that should have been the religious people that you would have thought would have been the people that would have supported this and this would have been right down their alley right. their hearts are hardened yes. but the Jesus says to him he knows that by the way he knows everything and they're thinking you're blaspheming saying you can forgive sin and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit in verse 8 that they so reason within themselves he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is it either say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Thank God that He, that he, do, that he doesn't just make it temporarily better. That He doesn't just, can just heal. But at the end, we're still done. 
But He is the one that can forgive sins. And not only that, can raise us to life again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's saying, you, 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 you all don't. They, these guys, see, everybody look up. Look up. See those guys? See, see Tom? Now look at these four guys. See these four guys? They got it. They know who I am. They know what I can do. They're the ones that's going to leave here different. They're the ones Tom is never going to be the same. The blessing, it says that in verse 12, the blessing is an immediately. I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen some videos where they reenact this and he slowly gets up and then Jesus has to help him up and he walks out and he's still kind of stumbling around. No, 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 no. It says and immediately he arose he took up, he had enough strength, he just picked his bed up. He, yeah. Hey, four guys had to carry the bed in, he just wrapped it up, put it up on his arm, said, hey, I got enough strength in these legs, I ain't walked in years, and I got enough strength in these legs that shouldn't have enough strength to even stand up. And, and you know, you see a deer when they're first born, or a calf or whatever, and they can't even stand up. That's the way his legs should have been, but he had complete strength. Not only that, he had enough strength that he could carry his bed home. This man was changed forever. The blessings... The blessings that was in his life is a fact that because of four men had a burden for him and they wouldn't give up, they believed that the Lord was the answer and they carried him to him and they wouldn't let any bearer get in their way. They got to experience the blessing. And this man, when he went back, he went home a different way. Can you imagine if he had a wife when he come walking in carrying the bed? Hallelujah. He come in carrying a bed and she passed out and when she finally woke up, he said, let me tell you what happened. My four best friends had carried me down there and they said, you got to get to Jesus. And when I got there, he said, your sins are forgiven. You're healed. Rise up. Take that bed and get to the house. My life has changed forever because the Lord done a work in my life. But it would have never happened if four boys hadn't had a burden from me to get me where I needed to get. So what does that say to us tonight? So what does that encourage us tonight? There is situations that the Lord can put on your heart there is people that you're close to that I'm not. There is people that God will talk to you about and you'll be concerned about and you're going to look around and say, who's going to take care of Tom? And the Lord is saying to you, that's why I put him on your heart. That's why you're the one thinking of him. I'm putting him on your heart. And it doesn't mean that you have to go do anything drastic. You know what you need to do? Start praying. Start praying, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to say? God, you've got to work in Tom's life. And, I, and put the name. You put the name. Every name that you're looking for. All the miracles. America. God, if you don't move. If you don't move, we're done. This nation is backslidden on you. This nation is a million miles from you. This nation doesn't even know your name. We've had presidents in the past that said, America is no longer a Christian nation. It's no longer a Christian nation. We have got to turn our hearts back to God. And He's looking for intercessors. But let me tell you something. There will be roadblocks. You, you won't feel like praying. You won't want to. You'll look at your situation and it'll be magnified. But let me tell you something. We can get a hold of God and we can see God do the miraculous when we let Him have complete control. When we start saying, God, prayer is more important than anything. God getting a hold of you is more important than that next meal. God getting a hold of you is more important than my... my 
television show I like to watch, whatever it is, God, I got to touch you, and Lord, I need more time. And if God will start stirring you, and you'll start seeing Him move, and He'll start, all of a sudden, you're going to have new desires. You're going to want to talk to Him a lot more because when you do, you're going to feel something you ain't felt in a long time. You're going to see hope rise up in your heart. You're going to see God do things in your life to where you say, man, I want to give more and more because you're doing more, Lord. The more I give, the more you do, the more you're able to use, and God is looking for vessels that He can use. But the roadblocks will come. The question is, are we have enough belief that we're going to press through them? Because they're going to come. You, it's not convenient to pray. It's not convenient to get a hold of God for our families and our nation. We just want somebody else to do it. We want to see a sign. Lord, show us a sign and then I'll get stirred. No, you get stirred and God will give a sign. God will give you a sign. You get stirred. God stirs. Listen, every time, and I'm going to end with this, every time God moves, He stirs a man and a woman or whoever it is before He moves. He, now, when He does that, here's the thing. Here's the thing you need to realize. When, you, when, you start, when God stirs your heart, listen to me. You underline this in your mind. When God stirs your heart to pray for someone, you can count on it. That's not in vain. If you will do what He's telling you to do and you won't give up, the answer's on the other side. You're going to have barriers that's going to come against you. But every time you see the barrier and it's trying to keep you from doing it, you need to realize, whoo, on the other side of a barrier, what comes? Blessing. Barrier is right before blessing. And God will bless and move and do things when people say, no, God, you're number one. You're number one. It's more important than anything else in my life. You're going to do a mighty work. And you stir me for a reason. I'm not letting go. Yes, there's a barrier. But on the backside of barrier, you find blessing. You see God move. He won't put it on your heart if He's not ready to do the work. He won't lead you on. He won't give you a false hope. He'll do a work if we do our part. Yeah. And we're in a crossroads. Yeah. And so we can, we can just hope for the best and we can have a few victories or we can see God move in such a mighty way yeah. that people's needs are complete. You know, it's unbelievable. I just wish I could paint you a picture of what I think God wants to do. Listen, that's why I think He's encouraging me even in my dreams. He'll do the same in you. He'll encourage your heart. He'll let you see that situation you see is impossible. Is There's a barrier before the blessing. And if you'll let God use you, if you'll let God seek Him through you and God pray through you, you'll see some miracles happen. Or we can just be like the rest of the crowd and we don't even get it. We come and miss what God wants to do and somebody else will get the blessing because they were willing to pay the price. These four boys and Tom never regretted that day the rest of their lives. When they went home, they said, aren't you glad we did it? Aren't you glad we went to Tom's house? And Tom calls them every week, boys, let me take you out to eat. Because let me tell you, if it wasn't for you, I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't hug my kids. I couldn't grow old. I couldn't do anything. But because you hung in there, that's what God wants to do in our lives. He'll do it in your life. Don't make an excuse and say, no, you're not, you don't know what you're talking about. He ain't doing it, going to do it with me. I'm too meek. I can't do it. No, God uses the meek. Yes. Moses is one of the meekest people in the world. And he used him to lead a nation. Yes. To, to deliver them from a king that was, that was slaughtered in the wilderness because he came against God. He used someone so meek he was too embarrassed to do anything. Yes. He'll do the same in your life. If you'll let him, you've got to make yourself available. And it's hard sometimes. You believe that? Intercession roadblocks, don't let them happen in our lives. We ain't got time. We ain't got time to learn this the hard way. We've got to get a hold of God. I really believe that. So tonight, if you could, let's stand. Let's stand. And tonight, as we, as we exit this service, before we go, I want us...
to, to make an altar right where you are. And listen, I want you to do, I want you to get a hold of God. I want you, as many as will, raise your hands and say, God, make me an intercessor. God, stir my heart. God, give me faith to see that you can do the work. If you, and God, I, when I raise my hand, it says that I'm available, Lord. I'm ava- you do the work. You give me the strength. You give me the help. You put it on my heart. I'll do what you tell me to do. And we're going to believe Him to have victory. Let's trust Him tonight. Let's thank Him for what He Lord, we do. We believe You, Lord. God, we know time is short. And God, we know that You're ready to work. God, You, don't, you stir us because You want to do the impossible. And God, there's people that's hanging in the balance. Their situation is bleak. And God in themselves, they can't do it. They can't get there. Lord, they can't get to you in themselves. The enemy's got them too bound, oh Lord. And the only way they're going to get to you is when people's hearts melt for you. And God, they call out on you. God, make us intercessors. And God, trouble our sleep so that we think about them. And we see them. And Lord, we're praying for them even in the middle of the night. And God, that we can't get away from the thoughts of what you can do. And God, that we have such a faith that if you're stirring our hearts, you're going to do the work. That God, we don't let go no matter what we see. We don't trust what we see. We just say we got to get them to you. And we're going to stand in the gap. And Lord, you're going to do the miraculous. You're going to do miracles. You're going to stir. You're going to say, God, just like my dream, I'm going to see them coming in. I'm going to see them coming in. Those that we've been praying for, we're going to see them, Lord. They're going to be in your house. And God, not only that, they're going to be in the altar. And Almighty God, we're going to see revival because we're hungry for You and we can't accept nothing less. Lord, there's nothing we want. There's not one desire that's more important than touching You in this time, in this hour. God, I pray You stir us. That God, You change us. You give us new appetites. You give us new desires. You give us, Lord, a new hunger for You. And that God, we seek you with a passion we've never had before. That God, our hearts break in your presence. That God, we see the darkness that's trying to come crushing in. And God, we pray for your light to push back darkness. And God, that you turn our nation. You turn our families. You turn our community. You turn our church. You turn our lives. God, completely over to you. You do it, Lord. We believe it, God. Because you're still on the throne. And you're looking for people to stir. And God, tonight we are the people you're wanting to stir. And God, I pray that you would do the work. And we thank you right now. You're going to do the work. That you're already doing the work, God. You're already stirring hearts we can't even see. You're already doing things we can't even see. And God, we thank you because you're on the throne. No demon in hell can come against you. No darkness can cause someone to be blind when you want to send your spirit in. And God, I pray that God, you shut down every barrier that keeps your presence from being able to move. Stir your people, God. Let this be a house that believes in you and your mighty miracle working power. And God, we call on you till you do it. God, we can't be satisfied with second best anymore. We need you, God, with all your power and glory and might. And you're looking for a people who will trust you for more. God, let that be right here, Lord. Let it be here. Let this nation call out on you. God, we know you'll honor that. You'll answer that. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord. You're a good God. Oh, Lord, you're a good God. You take care of your people. And God, you love those that we love. And God, I pray that, God, we would get sincere and see revival. Almighty God, stir us, God. Change us. Let scales fall from our eyes. God, change us, Lord. Let our hearts melt before You, God. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. These that break our hearts, 
Let us see this altar. God, right here, I'm standing right here. God, on behalf of the people that we're praying. God, right here, this, Lord, is a trench. God, this is a place for a battle. And God, right now, I pray that by your mighty power, you feel every single spot. Lord, you told the children. Oh, Lord, you told Abraham every foot and step that he took. Lord, that it was going to be his. Lord, I pray every step we take right here, God, that there be souls fill this spot. That God, these that we're crying out for, that we see it, God, we believe it we believe you oh we can't do it we can't say anything but god this altar fill it with lost souls god let us see a revival this church has never seen before let there be a revival break out mighty god that lord we're encouraged god that we have to open the door so people can hear oh god that lord you would fill this altar lord that we're not afraid to use it god but that lord souls would cry out lord that rivers of tears would fill this altar mighty god that rivers of tears would fill this altar that God true repentance that when they walk out the door that they not be the same person but God a smile on their face a white heart God clean before you to tell others let me tell you what the Lord did in my life we believe it God I'm standing on it God I'm trusting you God that you do the work and you're a good God Lord we're trusting you now do it God now you do it God you do it, God. You do it, God. Let it come to pass. Let it come to pass, Lord. Oh, do it, God.